take three deep breaths right now, breathing in and breathing out, wherever you are. Notice how you feel in your body and your mind and come into the present moment. Hello and welcome to And Breathe. My name is Rebecca Dennis and I am a breath coach and this podcast is here to help you understand the power of your breath. Each episode, you'll hear experts and inspirational people from all walks of life share their stories and experiences that have changed their lives for the better. And throughout the podcast, we'll be sharing tips on how our breath can help us through challenging times and how it's much more than just an inhale and an exhale. I'm excited to share with you that accompanying each episode will be an exclusive breathing exercise. You can come back and listen to these at any time you feel the need. They are free, easy to use, relaxing exercises, and the more you practice, the more you'll feel the benefits. I've specially designed these to help you navigate through life by reducing stress and anxiety, getting better sleep, feeling more clarity, focus, gain self-confidence, and bring you more energy. You can find these breathing exercises wherever you listen to your podcasts. Just search for And Breathe. Okay, so let's move on with my next guest into the podcast. I'm really excited to be sharing with you today a conversation with Mark Whittle, who started off as a client of mine a few years ago, and he's now a really, really good friend, and he's a real inspiration to me. He's a mental health activist and works a lot with men's groups and promoting mental health awareness and seeing as suicide is one of the biggest killers of men under 45 it's really really important work that he's doing his story is very really moving and um i know that you will you will love what he has to share mark is a lifestyle entrepreneur performance coach and mental health activist and he is also the founder of take flight which is the number one peak performance podcast and mark believes that true health and happiness is discovered through finding and pursuing our deepest passions his purpose beyond inspiring people to want to be better is to motivate them to find their purpose. I'm very excited to introduce, we're actually sitting in my mum's house today. I do like to mix it up where we do our recordings. <laughs> and um, yeah, my guest has very kindly bought recording equipment down for me because he is a bit of a king of podcasts himself and and I love the message that he's been sharing on his podcast so I asked him to come and join my podcast and also Mark and I have done some breath work together and he's come and done a few sessions which we'll talk about during the um, podcast today so I just want to welcome you Mark thank you so much for coming all the way down with your cute little dog. <laughs> we just did a breathing session, so that was really nice. Oh, it's amazing. It was very powerful today, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a good way to start the day always, isn't it? With yeah. a good breathe. And um, and your little dog, Rocky, was very helpful too, getting you grounded at the right moment. So yeah, let's just, where do, where do we begin? Like when I first met you, that was about, well, we think, we think it's around two years ago, wasn't it? You came to my workshop. And then since then, you've come and done a, a few sessions and I've been into, you've interviewed me on, on your podcast. But can you just like give me just a bit of background on what's been driving you to create your podcast? And if we maybe start with like your football career. Okay. So yeah, before, before I start with that, just to say 
just to acknowledge you, I suppose, for what you're doing, because I think it's been amazing getting to know you over the last couple of years. And you've been, you've had a big impact on me, both personally and professionally. So I'm really pleased I'm here sitting down with you today. Um, the first time I really wanted to do something and act on starting the podcast was um, really came from a realisation in one of your workshops, which was really powerful. Yeah, I forgot that. Yes. So that was so awesome. So it's all thanks to me. <laughs> all the credit is for you. <laughs> um, but no, I do, I do definitely credit part of the reason why I finally acted on, on starting the podcast to that mm. workshop and to the work that we did together and then since then you were a guest on the podcast yeah and then when I launched the first event you were um amazing uh, as a panelist on that as well so yeah that was fantastic yeah so you've been kind of a massive part of this chapter of my life so mm. I'm really pleased to be able to come and sit on your podcast as well thank you so to give you a little bit of background so I was kind of like I guess an, an ex-athlete who suffered with injuries and that meant you have to find the kind of dopamine hits or the excitement or the aliveness in other areas of your life. And I tried to do that in business and I followed a path that I'd watched and, and kind of seen and looked up to and aspired to, which was... Because you were playing football, weren't you? For Yeah. Like, so you played in the US and then you playing were playing US. professionally. Was it in the US or kind of at that level? Was that right? When you yeah, were younger? So if, yeah. If we go back to kind of when I was a, when I was a kid, I was sort of thrown into every sport possible. Um, and did you throw yourself in there or did you actually get thrown in? Um... I think I threw my, I, I feel like with football specifically, I threw myself into yeah. it, but I was thrown into other sports like mm. rugby because my dad was an ex-professional rugby player. Right. My brother was a very talented rugby player, although younger, younger brother. Um, and my mum was an aerobics teacher. Mm. So, you know, our, our family are fitness fanatics and yeah. health and fitness and exercise is always at the forefront of what we did. Even when on holidays, it always involved going to watch live sports and stuff. And it's, it's always been my passion. Like a part of life for you. Yeah. Yeah, it was um, yeah, it was the thing that made me feel alive and the thing that mm. gave me that chemical hit that made me feel happy, which I didn't know at that age that's what it was doing, but now I do on reflection. But it was a thing that made me feel happy. So I pursued it as much as possible. Mm. Um, and I was noticeably better at football than the other sports that I played at. So naturally, when that happens, you get picked up by various different clubs and I played at academy levels. Um, I played for Northampton for a long time. Uh, Northampton Town, who at the time were good. They're not very good anymore, but they were right. good at the time. Yeah. Um, and then I didn't get a pro contract and I went to, that was about 16 at that point. And then I went to play for Leicester. I did a trial for six months and I didn't get a contract again. So I never made it professional in the UK. I started playing semi-professionally in the non-league route, which was great fun because it's still a really good standard. There's a bit of money involved, mm. but it's slightly less serious. Yeah. So I got to enjoy that. And then I went to university, played there my full three years, finished as captain. And as we were there, uh, a guy who ran a business in Manchester came over and spoke to us about opportunities to play in the US. So I went and did the trial, went to Manchester Academy, which is an amazing setup. It was kind of in the era where they were just getting all of their money. So great facilities, really good day. They filmed the whole thing, build an online profile for you, which again, back in the, back in what, like seven years ago, that wasn't, that was an, a really amazing thing. It's quite normal now. Mm. But um, coaches from the US had the ability to then go online, watch these videos of UK kids playing football and then pitch scholarship offers to them. Was that, did you feel like kind of from the age of 16 to 21, that was just your focus was just to football and to just get better and better? Uh, yeah, partly. Do you know what? My focus was just fun. Yeah. I didn't take anything seriously. Right. Every okay. job that I had, cause I started working for 13 doing a paper round. Yeah. I always wanted to be doing work and earning money and being mm. independent. Everything was 
focused on fun. How can I enjoy myself to the yeah. best of my ability? And at that period in my life, the thing that brought me the most joy and fun was being around my mates playing football. Mm. So it just drove me into those circumstances more and more and more. And then thankfully, a college in Ohio pitched sort of last minute and I got a full ride to go and play over in Ohio. So I spent two years over there. Um, one of the best experiences of my life living in real America in the, in the Midwest. And before I'd only been to Florida and California and the kind of big commercialized states. So it was, it was amazing to experience that. Um, and then, yeah, an injury injury occurred and brought me back to, to London. Right. So how was that when you were injured and you realised that that was something that you weren't going to be able to do anymore? Did you feel, how did you feel? Um, or did you take it just in your stride and think, well, that was a great episode and now I'm ready to try something else? I tried to. <laughs> hmm. I tried to. But the reality was, I think that it took a long time. I, I tried to carry on playing as long as I could. And, mm. you know, the ego was dented massively f for probably two or three years when I tried to play at a level I was very comfortable at beforehand. But I could no longer really keep up with that level and that standard of football and that standard of sport. And more and more over over a period of time, slowly, I had to come to a decision where I had to stop playing football. And I guess it's, it's like it's a massive part of you as well, isn't it? It's like a yeah. massive part and it's part of your identity, isn't it? And who mm. you are. I still miss it now. Mm. Still miss it now. There's There, there will be, this may, maybe it's quite a negative outlook, but there's there will never be, I don't think in my life, a camaraderie or a feeling of camaraderie like that. Mm. You, know, it, you know, going after a common goal with a group of friends, trying to all seek fun, seek success. Um, and just, I've always said, you know, sports teams bring that in community in a community of people yeah. quicker than anything else yeah um you can go into a new football club and be best mates with people after two three weeks just because you've experienced like nights out are always a good one for socializing yeah and then winning and losing together well you see it in the playground don't you as well because it's like when you're playing when you're all playing football and you're playing football together it's just an easy way to kind of just naturally to just be in a group be in a team but also if you are one of the kids that's not so good at sports and you you know noticeably you see see that how how much harder it is to integrate yeah. as well don't you yeah well that's something that fortunately i didn't experience but perhaps that's had a negative thing later in life because mm. you always feel accepted very quickly yeah for a for a skill yeah for a, something because you provide a benefit to them i guess because you're mm. playing in a football team you're one of the better players and people accept you very quickly so that's something that then you've got to try and you're just on riding with, on that wave yeah. the whole way through. Yeah. Yeah. So at some stage you have to get on with people for who you are as an individual, not for who yeah. you are as for your talent or, or what you're doing. Or the team around you. Yeah. And what, yeah, which kind of, you've got always them as your backup mm. as well. Yeah. Okay. So you got injured, came back to London and then what, then what did you decide to do? So at this point I'd already had it in the back of my mind. I always wanted to pursue a career that involved using my mind. Mm. And I don't know why. But I just kind of looked at people who played sport and it was a short career. And I probably had it in the, in my ear from my dad, to be honest. He played rugby and then it didn't work out for him long term in his career either. So I'd always watched him going into the city and doing sales. And I think I find it fascinating what people do and what they end up doing. And, that you know, probably one of the reasons why I've got the podcast is because I'm curious to understand what's behind the story, what's, what are the true motivations and the inspirations behind how people act. Mm -hmm. Mine was because I watched my dad go into the city have success take us on fancy holidays travel around bring me football shirts back it all looked very glamorous from mm. where, from where i was and i'd also been told from a young age because i was 
quite naturally extroverted and confident and spoke to anybody and, and could connect with people generally speaking on all sorts of different subjects I was told I'd be good at sales by my dad as well so you hold on to those things and if, if it makes you feel good when someone tells you you're good at something it makes your ego feel good and you, yeah. your ego seeks that um, naturally I ended up going into sales so I guess as well like you're looking for something as well that's going to give you that a little bit of adrenaline and a rush and a hit like in the way that you're, I guess, because we're all set up differently, aren't we, in life and how we are. And there's certain, well, I guess when I've, in my very short period of working in the stock exchange and working with clients now who've worked in the city or those kind of environments, um, it is very adrenaline based, isn't mm. it? Yeah. And that's probably what, one of the other things I looked at. I was injured, couldn't play football anymore. Mm. I, I lacked that feeling of competition in my life. And I felt like being in a sales environment would give it and it does but <laughs> not in the same way as, as as I learned but yeah I followed the footsteps of my dad really because I watched him do it and f- a few things came together which allowed me to I, I kind of strategically tried to get a certain job and, and it worked out I wanted the highest paying this is this shows you how ego driven I was I wanted the highest paid entry level sales job and at that stage, it was medical device sales. It was starting right. to change. It was starting to change. But at that time, when I got back, it was still... So you weren't bothered about what you were selling. It just needed to be the, the, yeah, the highest paid. Literally didn't yeah. care. It was all about the number. Mm. And I had friends who were personal trainers, teachers. And I just thought, I'll learn, I'll learn more than them and I'm doing well. Yeah. So I went to work for Johnson & Johnson, who are obviously like one of the biggest companies. So every mm. time someone said, what's Mark doing to people? would be like, oh, he's working at J&J. Oh, amazing. He's smashing it. So that was the kind of that's a typical thing that a lot of people still do or they do their whole lives. Yeah. They look at the job title, the company they work for, the yeah. benefits they get and stuff. So, yeah. Um, and, to, and in fairness to them, it was a fantastic company and I did get sent to America and have brilliant training. So if, if your goals and ambitions are to work in a corporate business and to learn and grow and develop into that world, which at the time it was, that's a great place to do it. Yeah. And someone's got to do it as well, haven't yeah. they? Yeah. So yeah, great company, went in sales, worked in central London met some amazing people, had really good training. Um, and then that was kind of the start of the journey of this sales world, chasing targets, chasing sales numbers, doing meetings, pitches, high pressured. Um, so that's, that's where it began. So very ambitious, competitive environment and um, working quite fast paced, I guess, so working hard, playing quite hard as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then you... It's like, I guess it's like this very alpha mentality, isn't it? Where you've got like this real like drive for success and like, would you say it was like, well, there, there was a point, wasn't there, when you had a bit of an awakening, wasn't there? Mm. When you were walking through the city one day and you walk into work. Yeah. So this was a few years down the line. So between J&J and this, I went through four years of chronic fatigue okay yeah so people talk about there's two different ways to dissolve your ego there's the there's the voluntary route where you start meditating for 10 years or you take ayahuasca or do something like that which Mm. is you know you're actively trying to dissolve your ego to understand more about the world and become more conscious or there's the involuntary route yeah (laughs) when something traumatic can happen to you and it forces you into a position to take a look at yourself. Mine was the involuntary one. Yeah. Because I got chronic fatigue after basic. So my training schedule in America for that two years that I played there, before and after the injury, it was training every single day, 
playing two to three matches of 90 minutes a week in the gym five times a week, lifting heavy weights and the two, the two don't complement each other. So mm-hmm. cardio exercise with football and lifting heavy weights, you're just battering your immune system. And on top of that, I'd be going out three because or four Because you're times just, it's high adrenaline. So you're just putting stress on the body the whole time, aren't you? And it's not getting any downtime, is yeah. it? So it's just, I guess, in that way with chronic fatigue, it's like with the immune system where it's just like the brain is sending messages into the body to um, promote inflammation and yeah. yeah. And yeah, on top of that, I was going out like three times a week. So when I got back to the, the UK and that chronic fatigue hit in, it was like really worrying. I, I spent about six weeks feeling really unwell. Sofa bounds, couldn't get up. Every, anytime I tried to go to the gym, which bear in mind at this stage in my life, I was going pretty much every day. Mm. Every time I tried to go after this point of getting these symptoms, it would wipe me out for a week. Like I couldn't get off the sofa for a week. Right. So I was just like, well, what is going on here? Um, and did all the classic things that you would do at that point, which is like blood tests and all this stuff and nothing came up. You're absolutely fine. Nothing's wrong with you. Um, you know, just carry on. Maybe you just got a virus. Then it would go away for like a month and then it would come back. And this yo-yoing of like feeling a bit better, trying to get my life back on track and then going back into like this deep, dark fatigue of not physical this was. Yeah. Emotionally, I was still pretty much there. I was just worried and concerned. Mm. And then over a period of time, that worry and concern turned into anxiety because it didn't, because it went on for so long. Yeah. And I wasn't getting answers from the doctors and we could do a whole podcast episode on this next bit, but my mum had a brain tumour. Um, which was misdiagnosed at the beginning. My grandma had bowel cancer, which wasn't treated particularly well by the NHS. So I didn't have good affiliation with the health with healthcare in the UK. Yeah. So I was going in there and constantly being disappointed by GPs and and the and the nurses who were telling me the results. So um, that anxiety got worse and worse because my ego was stripped away. I lost my sense of identity. I couldn't go to the gym. Yeah. I couldn't go out with my friends anymore and party like I was used to. I couldn't be that person who I thought I was because that's who they thought I was yeah so they thought that I was like the funny guy like typically from the changing rooms in football where you're always taking the piss out of each other like yeah. that went away because I was just so concerned of my own health um and then that's when I was forced to have a look at some of the more deeper underlying things that might have attributed to to that um, but I didn't know I had it until two years after I first got those symptoms. So that was how long it was? It took two years to, for them yeah, to diagnose finally, it? Yeah, the GP was just like, do you know what this sounds like? It sounds like ME. And I was like, well, it can't be ME because I ran a marathon six months ago, mm. it, like right in the middle of these symptoms. And um, yeah, they just said, well, you might be on the lower end of the scale. It's, it's, it's a kind of condition that we don't know much about and you kind of just have to live with it. Yeah. And I wasn't really very satisfied with that answer. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I found out two years after first getting the symptoms. So I kind of just managed it as best as I could. How did you start once you found out that you had chronic fatigue, ME, which still is like very, I think, misunderstood, isn't it? And people still kind of, yeah, there's more research around it now, thank goodness. But also there seems to be a lot more autoimmune diseases coming yeah. coming out, I think, with like the pace of life and just even more so now there's so much distraction isn't there and I don't think we can like even like just not just the physical um strain which obviously like where you've been as a as a sports sports person 
like performance levels, like kind of pushing your body in the way that you were doing, but also not necessarily for people who are coming from sports backgrounds, but can just, it's, it's all, I guess, it's around stress, isn't it? Yeah. Really. But so what did you do? How did you help to deal with that? I think the biggest thing was I'd lived a life that was outcome orientated with sport. Mm. And then I was, I was in a repeat of that with sales. Yeah. And the fatigue experiencing the fatigue and even then you saying me yeah i still get a twang of defensiveness i didn't have me right because i just hate being associated with anything like that yeah and that's still something i'm sort of getting more comfortable with now but thankfully by the way the symptoms are gone almost gone with mm. the stuff i've done with you and, and we might talk about that a little bit more yeah. later but i think the the way that i dealt with it was shifting from an outcome orientated lifestyle to a process driven lifestyle still trying to do it now but, so how does that work? So I focus on things like meditation, things mm. like enjoying the exercise rather than enjoying the gains at the end. Yeah. Things like enjoying the process of swim, swimming just in general because I like the feeling of it, mm. not thinking about the time I'm going to get in the race that I do in six weeks or whatever. Yeah. Um, enjoying the process of life and just getting better, enjoying the conversations that I'm having with people, the connections that I'm having. Um, but it's an on, it's like it's an ongoing thing it's, it's a constant it lasts for it it goes on until we die yeah so it's a really difficult thing to get your head around and very frequently i find myself getting back into that pattern of being outcome oriented and that's when the disappointment creeps in because mm. sometimes it doesn't always marry up to like what you wanted it to be yeah um so it's something i work on a lot it's just yeah i guess it's like in you know mental hygiene isn't it we just have to really check in with with our thoughts and how we're being and our behaviors and like our patterns and yeah. would you say it was like quite addictive like, you know, like, would you say that the sports, like that, that level of kind of like achieving, you know, highly, would you say that that was that, like the going into sales, it kind of just gave you that, that hit again. So it just felt quite addictive, which is why you kind of felt more comfortable in that environment. Yeah, definitely. Something I'm still wrestling with now. I do. I don't know if I have an addictive personality, but I definitely, you'll probably say I do. <laughs> Well, no, I don't. I mean, yeah, you you know you better than you. I just may even. I think that um, it is addictive, yeah, because like that feeling, the the dopamine hit, or whatever you want to want to call it, that spike of joy that it gives you when you either score a goal, or for me, it was like it was scoring a goal or taking it around a player, or now it's like closing a big deal. Mm. Um, but they're all they're all actions that are like. They're all they're all things that are trying to prove your self worth to people. Yeah, but we also have the we also have the power within ourselves to flip that mindset. Yeah, because when you talk about ego and then you talk about kind of I guess like identity and and self worth as well and like being in a, in an environment like that, what have you? What lessons have you learned about? you know, the cliche sort of self-love or, or valuing yourself and. Still learning. This is what I come to see you for. <laughs> <laughs> but I think like ultimately, so to go back to that example, so scoring a goal in football or closing a, closing a deal in sales mm. gives you a feeling that you're worthwhile or yeah. that you are enough. But at the end of the day, we all have the ability within us to decide that we are anyway, regardless. Yeah. Like when you strip all those things back, you know, you could say the same in relationships. You only feel enough because you feel like that person loves you. But what happens when they tell you that they don't love you anymore? 
Mm-hmm. That's when you have totally. traumatic, yeah. traumatic times in your life and you go and you spiral and then that's when things go really bad. Um, but we all have the ability within ourselves to know deep down that we're enough. But sometimes that can take a lot of like rewiring or, um, you know, the stuff that stuff that you do with people to rewrite that story. But would you say like this, because you do kind of, you do describe it as an awakening, don't you? When you were working in, I mean, you're still working in sales now, aren't you? It's not like yeah. you haven't slowed anything down <laughs> at all, have you? Sped up anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but maybe it's coming from a different place because it's coming from a place of... Uh, like now there's 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 a different drive for you isn't there when you because when you decided to do this podcast and the, the podcast that you do is really about how people can talk about their stories and how they can lift each other up and what was it that kind of made you feel like this was what you wanted to do and and um, because obviously you're, you're still working to fund that, aren't you? So you've kind of ramped it up. It's not like yeah. you're you obviously still got to get that balance too. But what was it that made you want to do that? The podcast specifically? Yeah. So I think when it, it ba- basically the fatigue was easing off, but the anxiety was getting worse. Mm. And I got to a position when it was bad enough that I needed to change it. And that's what made me want to do it the idea had been in my mind for a couple of years and I felt like I could do a good job of, of doing this. I had access to some people to begin with. It would be a good start. And with the skills that I had from selling, I knew that I'd be able to do it. Why did you think that was going to help the anxiety? Selfishly. hundred. It sounds bad now, but hundred percent selfishly because I was looking at all these people that were really happy and I wasn't anymore. Right, and I wanted to hear how they were, why they were happy, how right. they've been successful and maintained happiness, and I, yeah. I, I hadn't done that. Yeah, you know, I was in a position where I was earning more money than I've like ever any any of my goals I'd written down. I'd I'd smash through them financially, mm-hmm. but happiness wise, for someone who was so happy in all of their childhood, I was so far away from how I felt when I was younger, growing up, and I never thought that would be me. Mm-hmm. So I got to a position where I just wasn't satisfied sitting in that hole anymore. And for me, the podcast was the answer because it was a way to learn from people that were doing it. I'd always use mentors and, and looked at people who were doing stuff that I was impressed by or people that I aspire to be like. Yeah. And by sitting around these people and speaking to them. So you went on your own little therapy mission. Went on my own therapy yeah. mission, yeah, but I positioned it as a peak performance. It's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How do you stay really good at, at this at this level? And still say, stay sane <laughs> and don't burn out. And like, so what have you found out on the way then with that? Um, I mean, a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about now, you know, I was still, I was still blind to a lot of, a lot of the, even just the stuff we spoke about this morning. Um, just awareness to stuff. I think everybody goes through difficult times and it's okay to feel bad about yourself. And actually, if you're ambitious and you want to achieve stuff, and you want to help and impact other people, you are going to feel bad about yourself sometimes because your goals and ambitions are so high that you're not, often not going to reach what you expect. Mm. Um, so managing that has been something I've learned a lot from. A lot of the stuff I've learned from is ways to to reactively deal with not feeling great about yourself, mm. whether it's through, you know, the stuff we spoke about with transformational breathing or meditation or cold water exposure. 
um i've learned a lot from athletes about about the sports that i love which yeah. i didn't manage to make it to that level which i kind of almost not shame but i had a little bit of regret that i didn't quite get there mm. so it's amazing to hear the stories from some of the professional athletes that have been on yeah to hear what they really experienced yeah and, and hear really what i missed out on uh, which i love hearing that it always gets me uh gets me excited um it's it must be to, quite emotional as well at, at times too yeah I, I did one with um this wasn't the sports one but i did one with a guy called the magic marine recently and it's like full on tears never the podcast was never supposed to be like that as such yeah. it was more like i always started off as performance let's learn from these people who have done amazing things tell me the story how did you do it what's your morning routine look like how does it allow you to get there but then over time it's gone a layer deeper to like okay let's strip that back another layer like what made what was making you feel this way that made you act in a particular way yeah what the drivers behind it what was yeah. the thing that motivated you what happened to you 10 years ago that made you behave the way that you do now and make you believe in yourself or the product or the or your ability your talent i think it's because like some people like when they just have this born gift which they do when not everybody is so then for it's like a choice isn't it like kind of how driven you are to go and you know you have that drive to 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 keep going and to make it make yourself it's like your best self or mm. your best performer um but also when you talk about like meaning purpose and ego like if you know what is the underlying ambition behind it because it's like if you know if if like with you like if you don't get to that level you don't get to be the best or you do get injured then if that all gets stripped away then it comes back to that place of like who the hell am i yeah. and and if you haven't got that grounding or those roots then then that can just be really discombobulating mm. can't it and just like for you know i guess for many people that maybe you've interviewed as well yeah. like with like some of their stories too yeah and, and I, I actually see it in a lot of people they still haven't gone as far as i have down this path as well so I, i'm almost like wanting to say be careful of this or like maybe you should yeah. do this but you can't because it's their own journey but let me use this example then so if take flight doesn't take off and it never becomes what i want it to mm. become i've still had this conversation with you yeah i've still had the two trips to LA sitting down with people I would never have ever spoken to in my life and I've still I, I say it now like the 18 months of the podcast the 50 whatever episodes has been far bigger than the masters that I received when I was in America playing football so as the scholarship I got a masters right I've learned so much more in the last 18 months doing this yeah about life about purpose about meaning about ego all the things that you said yeah that I wouldn't have I wouldn't necessarily have learned otherwise I guess it's because it's that thing is like because you're just completely being in the moment with this as well mm. rather than kind of just being focused on an end goal and if you don't get to that end goal then then it's a failure yeah you know i guess it's yeah i mean there's that fear of, of failure isn't yeah. it as well that comes in with it too right yeah well everything everything is all of life's beauty is in the present and i know we've spoke about this before mm. and that's probably one of my biggest challenges is getting back into the present yeah but yeah you're absolutely right this do it having these conversations is the easiest like, i feel so present right now yeah and oftentimes when i'm recording i'm in like pure flow state come out feeling like high as a kite just and those experiences are are the reason to do it 
I still want the outcome. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, because it is. It's that fine line, isn't it? I remember when we were doing when we did your um event which you invited me to come to and it was like we were talking it was the week for mental health wasn't it and raising yeah. awareness with mental health and you've been doing loads of stuff with that which I'm just so grateful that you're doing that and being a man as well and uh, you know uh, at your age as well and like kind of it's like men under 40 like it's the biggest killer isn't it suicide of yeah. men um is uh, depression and uh, that um, about being in that at that event and being with there was a lot of testosterone mm. in the room Still wasn't there, yeah. yeah you could really feel it and yeah, um professional boxes and everything yeah <laughs> and, and uh, but also it's great because it's like it's bringing in a different audience and you know because i'll be running breath workshops and like people have maybe kind of done quite a lot of that work before and there's a lot of you know the ratio is that there's more women than there are men and um yeah when you know when they're talking about it was so it was so beautiful to hear um who was that lovely the champion boxer who was Isaac Isaac Chamberlain yeah Isaac Chamberlain talking about his experiences um just like sharing about his his vulnerability um and for for men to just to be all discussing actually that it's okay to talk about your feelings it's okay to not be okay always and but also it's like that kind of it was there's there's also like that where there's still I feel like there is still work to do around um this becoming like a peak peak performer and being at this best best possible level but managing your mental health is yeah. so key yeah I mean because when I spoke about my experience with you know my beautiful client Brian who wrote in my book um and when he was battling with depression and emotions and and how the breath work really really helped him and very sadly like he took his life last year which is just tragic tragic and um that's why it's just so important to be holding these sort of events opening up these conversations that you wouldn't necessarily have on the football pitch or in the gym um, or, you know, down at the pub or down the pub. And I guess it's, you know, people are talking about it a lot more, but not enough, I don't think. If, if you're falling in line with what the stereotypical male is, then you are going to succumb to like holding your emotions in. Um, if you're not opening up. And because that looks like, a, because it, otherwise it looks like it's a weakness. Yeah, I still suffer with it now because it's, like if I'm having a particularly bad day or something deep down has come up or I've felt upset for whatever reason, you don't want to show weakness mm. to people because you want to be strong. You want to be seen as confident, like outgoing. I can handle anything successful in that conventional definition yeah, of success. Yeah, like what again. is success, yeah. exactly. But yeah, you. I ultimately don't want to share sometimes, even still someone who like openly talks about mental health and openly talks about what I've suffered with, but there'll be days where something's happened and I just really don't want to talk about it because you don't want to look like you're weak. Yeah. I mean, when we come back to techniques and tools that you can use to kind of like help um, manage, like to keep balance, because it's all about balance, isn't it? It's like Microsoft, um, I was reading this research the other day with Microsoft and uh, 
they were saying that in 2000, 3,000 3, people had been, um, they'd have, it was research on their attention span and the attention span was like at 15 seconds and that was in 2000. Mm. And in 2012, it's now eight seconds and the attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds something like that and it's like my We're worse than the goldfish yeah <laughs> and i think but but this is this is so much part of it as well though isn't it because there's so much like now so much stimulation going on and it's just like for people to like be able to switch off and even just i mean it's like what you were saying wasn't it, it was like when you get a headache then you you read don't yeah. you and that's like your way of kind of reducing stress yeah. you take yourself into a different plane but it's like if the the mind is just so charged and the nervous system is so charged all the time then um then we can't we can't concentrate we can't focus and then it's like and then you know things that like burnout chronic fatigue all of these things and so, so now people are like having to where we just not evolved i don't think to keep up with that pace mm. and it is definitely getting faster and faster so what tools would you say that really have helped you yeah so reading 100 percent. so um my life is very reactive there's so many distractions coming in and out like pings on messages phone calls all the time you're on your laptop on your phone sending emails yeah so these are these things that are obviously reducing the attention span mm. so yeah, um, but I do do transcendental meditation every morning or try to. I probably do about five times a week. So I do 15 minutes in the morning. And that, yeah. that 100% sets me up. If I don't do it, I notice it massively. I am now going to do five minutes of connected breathing before. Good. After you told me. <laughs> <laughs> um, hydration is massive because we lose nearly half a litre just through breathing during the night. Mm. So eight hours sleep or whatever you get, you're you're dehydrated by the time you wake up and we yeah. can't operate again at our highest levels when we're dehydrated. So I have water with Himalayan salt yeah, <laughs> in the morning and then my meditation. Um, but yeah. And then what about your sleep? Like how do you kind of, what's your like sleep rituals at night? So right now I'm using CBD oil. Oh, okay. I'm taking that right before bed, which helps me sleep so, so good. I'm literally out mm. um, and I feel so rested when I wake up. Um, it's also really good for any sort of inflammation that you might be experiencing if you're exercising a lot, which I'm doing a lot of exercise at the moment. It's really good for the recovery side of things. Yeah. Uh, and then another one that I love at the moment, which I'm really, um, really like kind of incorporating every single day is the cold water exposure. So mm. I have my normal shower and then at the end I turn it, crank the nozzle all the way to cold for the last minutes, sometimes two minutes if I'm, if I'm, if I've got yeah. enough time, I'm still like already like child is ready to get on with my day but yeah usually a minute sometimes two. and that's really good for the immune system isn't it yeah, yeah. great for the immune system also blood massive, circulation blood circulation mass like punches norepinephrine into your bloodstream so you get the mm -hmm. adrenaline boost because like the shock of the cold yeah. water yeah so i always come out like feeling really awake as well um and then they're probably the, the, my favorites at the minute there's other stuff that i, I dabble in and out with with but they're the kind of ones that i'm doing daily yeah. And how would you say, like, kind of when you first came and did breath work, what did when we go deeper into that? Because there's lots of different breath yeah. breath techniques that you can use and some can help you go into different states and some can help you focus and give you more energy and so on. And then there's more transformative breath works as well, which is the one that we've been practicing. And how would you say that that sort of helped you? 
So it has been the catalyst for all of my growth over the last two years. Um, it's something, it's one of the biggest challenges I have as, as well is control and letting go of control. Yeah. And you're forced to do that in your sessions. Yeah. My first time that I rocked up was an interesting experience. One of my best friends kind of dragged me along. Yeah. And I wasn't Lee. really sure. Yeah. Yeah. Lee. And I wasn't really sure what to expect. But I was open-minded because I'd done meditation in the past. My brother had introduced me to TM two or three years before. Mm. So I've been dabbling in and out of that and it had a big impact on me. So I was open to the idea. And because my best mate was raving about it, I was like, okay, let me give it a chance. So came in to meet with you and obviously you were lovely anyway. And the energy and the, the kind of aura around the room and the place where we go in Marlebone is, is, is well, you could feel it. You mm. feel that something is different. Um, but I have to admit, it was a strange experience for the first sort of 30 minutes. Yeah. Well, because, there was a lot of control, wasn't there, in you? Yeah. And it's like kind of when we're looking at different breathing patterns and, and you know, our breathing patterns are very representative of our life patterns as well. And so when you're going into that whole state, which is the aim is to completely, completely let go, then there's resistance from the breath because there's a resistance from the subconscious. Yeah. And then... Um, so that control gets shown in your breath pattern because it's like, oh, hold on, you're yeah. taking me in, like out of my comfort zone and this isn't what I normally do in, mm. a, in a situation because you're working with the nervous system and working with sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system at the same time, just trying to reset and rewire yeah. that. And so it's like when, um, when I noticed like we've kind of high achievers, you know, like with these, like, you know, with, um very driven especially particularly like men like the the breath gets very it's very much up in the chest and then it gets very very controlled in the abdominal yeah. area and then that's where it can feel quite intense can't it yeah to say the least <laughs> um but you've really worked on that haven't you and you've yeah. really managed to help to let that go well we're two years down the line now and it's the single most important thing that i do however often we do it maybe i've started doing more one-to-ones and stuff with you now and yeah. it's easily the most impactful beneficial thing that i've incorporated into my mm. routine i probably do every i should do more but maybe like every two or three months come and see you for a one-to-one and usually it's too late i wish i'd come sooner yeah um but I've been, I've, you know, I've had CBT therapy twice and meditate all the time. But do, still, do you like check in with your breath now? Do you kind of like just yeah. find like in the days that you're know, like every day, like if you find you're getting a bit stressed and you sort of, do you notice how you're breathing now? Yeah. Um, and my whole awareness, not just of my breathing, but of like everything that's going on around me has changed and been impacted in a positive way because of it. Mm. But also, we might not have spoken like this, but before I came to see you, I was still very much in my chest like almost i didn't realize at the time but probably hyperventilating a lot of the time right breathing in my chest short of breath like in stressful situations because your brain wires yourself and then you get into some confrontation which although i'm very comfortable in and i sometimes actually enjoy those situations just because of the environment i'm like they're like angry shoulders hunched like yeah. tensed and that doesn't happen anymore so if you're having a bad day what do you do now a few different things again it's like that proactive thing isn't it but cold shower again jump in that yeah because it just like wakes me up and pushes all getting my bloodstream going again pushes all those endorphins into my bloodstream i take my dog out because she is 
the best thing in the world yeah <laughs> we go for like an hour's walk and i leave my phone at home and everything so i haven't got those distractions that make me feel i just like, find i get so much more inspiration when i and when i'm outside and i walk anyway you get your best yeah. ideas don't you when you're there rather than 100%. being stuck in front of a screen yeah because you haven't like i said when i said before like you've not actually slowed you couldn't but on paper you've not slowed it stuff down because you're still working full-time smashing sales and then doing this podcast as well so what's different it's the awareness i think but again i'm i'm on the journey still and you're making me think about things that i haven't really considered because actually you're making me realize that i'm doing way more than i was even when i was at my when i was at my most frantic that caused the fatigue i'll tell you what it is mm. i'm more trusting of myself and others which yeah. I wasn't. And I've addressed some things that I realised made me behave in particular ways that I wasn't aware of. They're the, they're the two differences that come to mind. Yeah. So more trusting in others and myself. And yeah, I've addressed some things that had been buried for long a long time that made me behave in particular ways, whether that was with anger or defensiveness yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And addressing those things allows you to be more, again, more trusting again, but also like just go with the process and know that it's going to work out what would you tell your younger self ah, don't make me cry <laughs> um, i'd probably say that you're enough and that everything's going to be okay which was probably something that i wasn't aware that i was not happy with but now looking back a lot of the stuff that i did was because i didn't think that yeah it's so important isn't it it's just like because even if like when people meet you and like you know you're really outgoing and um, you seem really confident, don't you? And it's like, you can never ever judge a book mm -hmm. by its cover of what is really going on deep mm -hmm. inside someone. And I guess that's what your journey has been on with your podcast, hasn't it? Yeah. From people that you really admire and them actually really hearing everybody's story because everybody has a story, don't mm -hmm. they? Yeah. And, and it's what makes us human. But then we... Um, we, I guess it's like we sometimes we just forget about like the child or are in a child or you know just we've just been pushing mm. to just keep going 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 it's because it's all we know isn't it so mm. you don't and I guess that's maybe with um with a, you know when you when you're when you are present and you are in the moment and you are connecting into your breath because so many people can be just very disconnected throughout life then like who would you say like really inspires you well it's going to be boring but like my mum dad and my brother mm. um all my heroes in their own right really so my dad is still the person now who i'd turn to and if anything ever goes wrong or i'm questioning something it's always i always pick the phone up to him first my mum is, I'm still so protective of my mum. <laughs> mm. Everyone should be. But we've had a very close relationship. Um, she's been my partner in crime my whole life. And my brother is my best mate. We, you know, we spur each other on and we get on so well. We're on, on such a same level, which I think is so important for anyone who's trying to enjoy life or go anywhere in life to have people around you who, who get you. Yeah. Like we were just, we went climbing. My brother's climbing El Capitan in October. And we, he's incredible uh, yeah he's yeah. always doing something extreme <laughs> yeah he's a bit of a crazy one but 
in a good way. So we like we push each other on to achieve more and more and more, but in a nice way, in a, in a friendly, competitive way. And we we compete with things together, and we support each other in successes and failures. And just the way that we talk to one another, you know, when you when you come to somebody with an idea, and they are already accepting and already believing in you that you can do it. Yeah, that's such an amazing place to be and yeah. an amazing person to have in your life. So, um, so I'd say those three. You can look externally as well, like sports people who inspired me by coming from nothing and, and believing in themselves to make it in whatever that is that they're trying to do. And but those are often quite materialistic things it's more it's usually the people who like you who really know who you are what about what would you say was your best book that's been like your bible oh easily is the obstacle is the way right by ryan holiday it's my favorite book it's the first book that it's actually given to me by my brother funnily enough i'm giving him way too much credit on this Mm. channel um uh, yeah it was given to me by him and i read it and it's the first time that i really opened up to a lot of this you know the, the best books are the ones that tell you stuff you already know but you didn't know you know yes and that's what this did for yeah, me. Yeah, just helping you to remember. Yeah. Yeah. And it taught me about mindset and will. And it was stuff that I already did and carried out in my life and had got me to where I was, but mm. I wasn't consciously aware of it, those skills being the thing that got me there. So by bringing awareness to it, that book allowed me to take that almost to the next level. He also did another one, which was called Ego is the Enemy, which you might find this surprising, but this will be like five years ago. I was reading the book thinking I didn't have an ego. I always just thought that ego was a way that you would like take the piss out of someone. I guess you got such a big ego, mm. just a, just a way to offend somebody. But for reading that book, I was like, oh, hang on. Actually, I've got an ego. It's actually quite big as well. And <laughs> now I'm aware of that. Yeah. And we all have them. We do. Yeah. yeah. So those two. Even our, like our insecurities are our ego. Yeah. Yeah. So would you say like you're still searching? 100%. Yeah. Every day. But sometimes I worry, like, what am I searching for? Yeah. Because um, it's pretty, I've got a pretty good setup right now. But I always want, I do want more. Um, I mean, even like the, the session we did this morning was amazing. And that, that brings up stuff. It was less like visual today, but mm. it just, that makes me again, that gives me faith again that there's more. Yeah. So. That's what we were saying, isn't it? There's just so much more out there, isn't there? And it's just like when you wake up to that. It's not just about a bigger salary, bigger car, really good holidays. It's just kind of like there's a whole other world out there, isn't there? Well, that's that's probably what I'm learning is that's what it's not about. Mm. And um, I think that like everything that we do in life, everything that we we are drawn to and want to experience is about connection with other people. Mm. Yeah. I was was listening to something the other day. He's saying... um, I think it's something like, I don't know exactly the number of days, but it's something like 134 days in isolation and you'll go insane. Yes. Because the human brain needs to connect with other people and be with other people and communicate with other people and storytell and gossip and all these other things that we Mm. love to do. Yeah, I think that's like been one one of the big shifts in perspective has been that, like away from job title, salary and money and more towards like who am I meeting, who am I having conversations with like this morning, like with Mm. you meeting you has been amazing meeting some of the people that i've made friends with on the podcast as well has been amazing because we knew each other before the podcast yeah but i've also been lucky enough to make really good friends since starting this as well yeah people that you would never ever meet in your life probably otherwise never would have met them yeah i've had a reason to speak to them yeah um and now it's at the point where those amazing people are actually reaching out to me and then there's relationships that are being built from that yeah so um 
yeah, I think when you go to a place of like contribution as well, it makes it much easier. In fact, you triggered something for me earlier when you were talking about, um, I can't remember what you asked. I think you said something like, what made you speak openly about mental health or mm -hmm. when we were talking about mental health? And why do I still struggle to talk about it? But the way that it's made easier is if you feel like you're helping someone else, maybe the way that we can encourage people who don't already talk about it now to talk about it with other people mm. from a from a selfless place of helping someone else first. Yeah. So you get comfortable talking about it to help someone else and then in turn it helps yourself because it is therapeutic when you talk about it. But it's been an amazing journey, hasn't it, really, when you, you've had, like, it's, I guess, like, the lessons in that as well was, like, throughout all the, you know, like, the darker times when you were doing something that you absolutely loved, which just made you, like, it was just, you say, it was just about having fun, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. And then that got taken away and then, again, building yourself up and then getting chronic fatigue, which must have been pretty scary. I mean, it was quite a lot of fear, I guess, there as well because it's like well am I ever going to be back to normal and like you know and then all of them now you're on this new road um to because we never really know do we what's going to happen next or from day to day we can plan but um but you know it's like there's always some there's always something else in the background that can happen at any time yeah. at any you know, any place isn't there which is what you've I guess that's been your biggest lesson too or for many of us where would you like to see yourself going now genuinely want to just like help people go through what I'm going through mm. I hope when people listen to the podcast they can see a, a kind of journey and a, and a progression with what I'm going through as well yeah I started episode one you know blind to a lot of these things and even going through some of the darkest times during this last year and a half as well, mm -hmm. like outside of the fatigue, outside of all that stuff. Because as soon as you open that door, like there's so much to kind of go through and, and understand. Yeah. And that can take you to the darkest places, but I can also look at the darkest places and see where it leads you and actually be really grateful for those times. Yeah. I think that's like one of the most empowering things that can happen. But where I see it going is just like trying to help people at first to improve their performance yeah because everybody wants to do that because we're we're we are outcome improve their performance in a healthy way as in well in a healthy way yeah. yeah so talking to people about you know i'm someone who isn't your stereotypical meditator probably maybe more so now but talking about meditation talking about mm. mental health talking about cold showers all these things you know i'm covered in tattoos and mm. not overly well spoken <laughs> so you know i'm not probably not your stereotypical person who would talk about health and that and wellness in that fashion so i want to be able to uh impact people who would never be open to the ideas of meditation and that sort of stuff yeah um it's difficult like breaking the stigma yeah yeah, yeah. Well because people need to be ready to do that stuff so when you're ready you know you've seen someone else who's gone through this journey and you can hopefully look at that as a bit of inspiration or as an example of someone who's been through perhaps what you want to go through yeah um i mean just that event i've had like over 10 people from that event and there was only 65 there said they've gone to therapy since Great. and that's only the ones who have told me yeah i think sometimes we don't know how bad we feel the other thing is as well i do want to inspire fun because <laughs> a lot of the mental health stuff can be quite heavy and it's not a mental yeah. health podcast yeah it's a peak performance podcast but obviously they're very closely interlinked um 
but can we do it in a fun way? That's why I try and get a good mix of people from you, from breathing yeah. to people who have been really depressed um, to professional athletes. So you get like a nice mix of people, which gives a variety f- and people can see it from different perspectives. Mm. Um, but the, I think the events will be a big focus for me where people can start to connect with one another. Also, maybe selfishly now I'm saying it because I get to then see the impact on people's faces yeah. when I'm, I'm stood in front of them rather than listening to on audio. Um, but yeah, just, just influencing people in a positive way. That's good. That's the goal. I love it. Well, okay. We're going to, my mum's taken the dogs out, hasn't she? For us, bless her. So that they've been out of the way, but I think they're on their way back. So we're going to wrap this up. (laughs) Um, But just to say thank you so much for coming down. Thanks so much for sharing your story with me and um, for being like such an inspiration as well. So thank you. Thank you for having me. So thank you so much, everybody. We're coming towards the end of this episode and a really massive thank you to Mark. It was so much fun and we'll have to do that again soon. As always, with each episode, we're providing a mini episode with a breathing exercise to support the theme. And for this episode, I'll be sharing one about how to practice sleep with awareness, yoga nidra. You can find this wherever you find your podcasts. I would love to hear your feedback. If you found it useful or if it helped you to feel more positive, your stories of how it's made a difference mean the world to me and it's why I love sharing breathwork. We all know someone going through challenging times and sometimes we don't know what to say. Maybe these breathing exercises can help navigate them through. I'm on Instagram at breathing.tree or to find out more about breathwork, check out my website breathingtree.co.uk. This podcast was edited by Kazra Virosia and produced by One Fine Play. And remember to keep breathing and listening out for more inspiring episodes coming very soon.